Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are, midweek show, big Wednesday show. I always say big show, don't I? Is there a small show? I don't know. And maybe they just start categorizing shows as big, medium, and small. I have no idea. Because I'm always saying there's a big show. But I say that because there's so much there's so much that's going on. There's so much out there. Sometimes it's tough to decide. You don't want to like you don't want to like bury the lead, right? You don't want to bury the lead. But there are so many leads. What do you go with? There's so many things happening. There's so much to talk about. There's Mike Singer's column on Rochelle Walensky's horrible testimony. There's more information from Robert Malone, uh, Dr. Malone, um, and Peter McCullough, Dr. McCullough, on how the uh, the CDC and other government agencies hid the data when it comes to how how uh, unsafe these vaccines were and vaccine deaths and injuries. There's the Ohio thing, which I think is – I said I was going to lead with that. I think I probably should. Um, so last week there was an, another – derailment right because our rail system is is in such great shape here in this country you know it's amazing you go to other countries you go to europe and the trains go 200 miles an hour right they go 200 miles an hour they go straight they go around curves they go 5,000. they go this way they go that way and there's no problems very rarely is there any problem here these trains go 30 miles an hour and if they go around the turn at 35 miles an hour the whole fucking thing derails this is like third world country train tracks. We have a third world country infrastructure here. The United States, uh, you know, uh, tells everyone else that we're a first world country. But in a lot of ways, we are a third world country. We're a third world country with train travel. We're a third world country with homelessness. We're a third world country with, with drug addiction. We're a, we're a third world country with our borders. There's a lot of we are actually a third world country in many, many ways. We're a third world country with our education system which, you know, is the proof of the pudding is who's in office, right? Who our politicians are. We're a third world country in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And certainly with the, with the train system, with Amtrak, you know, train uh, tracks and, and train infrastructure, we are a third world country. You go to Japan, they do it better. You go to China, they do it better. You go to Europe, they do it better. Even in Canada, which is not that much better than the U.S., is, is still much better than the U.S., with via rail. But North America in general has a shitty rail system. It's a terrible rail system because we, you know, our politicians allow the the uh, airline business and the airline lobby to to dominate. And other countries don't allow that. They don't have these airline lobbies like we have here in this country. And the airline lobbies are very strong and powerful and they put money in the pockets of politicians. And therefore, that's why we have such a shitty train system. And while we get these derailments. So about a week ago in East Palestine, not Palestine, I don't think it's East Palestine, Ohio, which is kind of on the Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania border. There's a train derailment and these chemicals, the train is carrying chemicals and the chemicals explode and they go out into the atmosphere. Right. Well, there's a, they decide that everything was going to explode and they had a decision like wait for everything to explode or do like a controlled burn. And they decided to do the controlled burn. But even the controlled burn released all these chemicals into the air. Now, you remember those of you who I guess are over the age of what? 30? 
incredible. Uh, we'll remember 9-11 and uh, how, 35 really, right? Anyway, you'll remember 9-11 and what they told us about the air quality, right? They said it was fine. The EPA went in there with their things and they said the air quality is fine. So they had people down there. They had these men down there, firemen and other helpers down there cleaning everything up and it took months. And they were saying, oh, don't worry about it. The air quality is fine. There's no problem with the air quality here. And now we see 20 years later, hundreds of people have died of cancer. Every year, more and more people who were down there are getting cancer. And we know they lied to us. The government lied to us. The air was incredibly toxic. It gave people cancer. There are tons of lawsuits, okay? And so this happened again. The government always lies. You cannot believe it when the government says anything. You can't believe when the government says 15 days to flatten the curve. You can't believe it when the government says we're in a pandemic. You can't believe when the government says things like new normal. You can't believe it when the government says things like these vaccines will stop the spread. Take these vaccines, they get us back. You can't put on masks, it'll stop this. You can't believe this government at all in this country. Once again, it's like a third world banana republic with dictators lying for their own benefit. So when the government tells you the air is clean, move away. Okay, they tell you the air is clean, leave town because it's not clean. So this is a very we don't have to do unlike 9-11. We don't have to wait 10, 15, 20 years. There are people who are going back a week later who will say they go back and their eyes are burning. their skin. They have skin rashes and legions. They get incredible migraines. We have cows dropping dead. We have dogs and cats throwing up. So we know this air is toxic. And now they say, oh, no, there was a chemical, a certain chemical that was on one of those trains that we burned out that is the most toxic, one of the most toxic chemicals in the world. And yes, one of the most toxic chemicals in the world, the most carcinogenic chemical ever was released. Oh, we forgot to say anything about that. So now there's this problem where people can't even go back. They're afraid to drink the water. The government saying crazy things like, well, if I were there, I would drink bottled water. If I live there, I'd, is the water safe? Well, if I were there, I drink bottled water. We think the water is safe, but if I were there, I drink bottled water. So when they're telling you, when the government telling you they would drink bottled water, you better not drink the water. So there are people who can't drink the water. They can't live there. This is a very white collar, low middle income place. It's got about four or five thousand people. And uh, people can't go back. They cannot go back home. And uh, but within a mile radius of that derailment, there are schools, there are hospitals, and there are people who can't go back, okay? And they don't know when they can go back. They don't know when they can trust the government, when they can trust when the air will be safe. So what about our great... Uh, transportation secretary. How about our great transportation? How bad has transportation been over the last two plus years? Transportation has never been worse, but this is what happens, you see. We've talked about this before, whether it's the problems with train travel or this explosion, and this guy is MIA. He goes away for months on paternity leave um, for an adoption, and he, uh, <laughs> it's absurd, and um, Although some people would say it could have popped out of his own belly, right? There are some people out there on the left who Pete Buttigieg can give birth, but I believe it was an adoption. And uh, so he went away for months on leave for that, and he's MIA, and people are asking, where are you, Pete? What's going on, Pete? Well, this is what happens when you elevate 
the mayor of a small town who was absolutely hated in that small town, that drove that small town into the ground. The police hated him. The black people in the city hated him because they say he was racist. Crime was through the roof. It, it, South Bend went like down the shitter with him as mayor. So that's what happens when you take a mayor of a small town and put him in such an important position because he's a gay man. And that's why that's why Biden did it. The guy gained a little bit of notoriety because he fooled the people of New Hampshire into believing he was something. And so in the New Hampshire primary, he basically tied Bernie Sanders. And then once the uh, once the map expanded and it went down, went, you know, went into more uh, mixed race areas like South Carolina, areas that aren't so white like New Hampshire and Iowa, Pete Buttigieg went down in flames. He got no votes. But he was given that position because of identity politics. And this is the position you put yourself in when you're a moron like Joe Biden, when you're a woke moron like Joe Biden, and you put yourself in the position of hiring people because of identity politics like Pete Buttigieg and uh, Karim Jean-Pierre. Not only do you get a, a shitty product, but then you, you, put yourself in, you, you, you put yourself into a corner because then you can't fire them because then you're seen as racist or homophobic. You hire them because of race or because of sexual orientation, or because of gender, and then you, you're locked into them because if you fire them, you're called a sexist or racist or homophobe. That's how ridiculously clown car that crap crazy this wokeness is and this identity politics. So now you're in a position where you have, he has a shitty press secretary. Everyone knows she's horrible. She's a moron. She's a stupid muppet. He can't fire her. And then you have this horrible transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, who he can't fire because he's gay. Now what the fuck do you do? Now we're stuck. We get screwed. We get screwed. Okay? And so now you're in a position where this guy is a total jack-off, has no idea what's going on, and, um, and is MIA. And all he can do in response, is put out ridiculous tweets showing all the great things he's accomplished, these great things he's accomplished, which is all bullshit PR spin. And, of course, go to the default when everything else fails. What do Democrats do? They blame Trump. This guy has the, the balls to blame a guy who has not been president for over two years. So this is what they do. This is their default. And it works because their constituents are assholes who have Trump derangements. Once again, the, the Democrats blaming Trump for everything is basically taking advantage of medical. They're taking advantage of mental patients. It's like going into a mental institution and taking advantage. It's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It's like taking advantage of the people in a mental institution. That's what Democratic Party does. They take advantage of Trump derangement syndrome. They take advantage of the mental illness that 90 percent of their voters have and they just blame Trump. And then those people with Trump derangement syndrome all go insane. They go, Trump, of course, it's Trump. Yes. Oh, Pete, you're great. It's Trump's fault. So this is what they do. They know to do this. It's easy. It's easy. It's psychology. It's psych 101. It's psych 101. Just blame Donald Trump and all the Democratic voters with Trump derangement syndrome will all get together and clap their hands and curse Trump. But here's the real problem. Pete Buttigieg is an idiot. And in order to find, in order to get any kind of real criticism of him, you have to go, of course, to the GOP because the Democrats are not going to criticize a gay man. They're not going to criticize a gay man in an important position. They'll, they'll never do it. Um, Representative Mike Turner, Republican of Ohio, sounded the alarm over the Ohio train derailment that spilled toxic chemicals 
after residents reported sickness and dead animals, telling Varney and company, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg has ignored the accident and turned his back on middle America. This is a... this is a rel- uh, Mr. Turner said this is a relatively f- uh, frequent occurrence, not to this scale, but throughout the Midwest, as we have lots of trains that are traveling with ha- hazardous materials that go through towns, sometimes cities, and could impact the health of the people that are there. The Secretary of Transportation, Buttigieg, ought to be on this, but he's been ignoring this. I think it shows he turns his back on middle America when they have a crisis like this. But this is one where it shows that, you know, the people who are affected get very little information. This needs to be fixed. The Department of Transportation needs to have a greater awareness of the risk and where these has materials are and how they can affect communities. And of course, you know, what they're doing about it. What's the, what's the response? What is the response of this derailment? What's the response of these chemicals being leaked into the air? Why were these residents told the air was safe and it was safe to go back? And then they go back and it's obviously not safe. It's obviously toxic. And now they don't don't only fear for their short-term safety, but they fear for their long-term safety. Are they going to have the same kind of problems the firemen and first responders had at 9-11, where they're going to get cancer five years from now or cancer 10, 15 years from now due to these incredibly hazardous uh, materials that were leaked? The most concerning chemical being carried the real train was vinyl chloride, which is used to make polyvinyl chloride or PVC, a hard resin used in plastic products. Vinyl chloride is colorless and highly flammable. It has been linked to a rare form of liver cancer, as well as other types of cancer like leukemia and lung cancer. Short-term exposure effects include dizziness and drowsiness, while high exposure can lead to hospitalization and death. Another chemical on board was butyl acrylate, also used in plastic production. And by the way, there was someone who went to the doctor and the doctor in the area actually said they have something called chemical pneumonia, pneumonia that's caused by chemicals. The Environmental Protection Agency later released information that showed three previously unreported chemicals were also released, um, ethyl accelerate, isobutanol, and ethylene glycol monobutyl uh, ether. Exposure to these chemicals can cause shortness of breath, burning in the skin and eyes, coughing, headaches, and nausea, and that's the symptoms that most of the people say they are getting. In total, the EPA has reported five chemicals that were contained in rail cars that were derailed, breached, and or on fire. Um, despite reassurances from officials that the area's air and water quality is safe, residents in the vicinity of the derailment reported multiple health symptoms, nausea, burning sensation in their eyes, One resident in a town 10 miles away told local TV news station that six of their children, six of their chickens, sorry, chickens, died suddenly a day after the chemical release. Another nearby resident reported seeing dead fish floating in a local creek. Experts have expressed concerns the agency is not testing for other chemicals that could have been made through the burning of the toxic substances. Local business owners and residents are suing Norfolk Southern, an effort to get the company to cover medical screenings for residents within a 30-mile radius of the derailment. The lawsuit argues that the company failed to exercise reasonable care to protect local residents who were exposed to toxic substances, toxic fumes, and carcinogens. The EPA warned Northern Suffolk that it could be liable for costs related to the derailment, including cleanup and prevention efforts. 
Reports have shown that as many as 25 million Americans live in zones that are vulnerable to daily to deadly derailments of trains carrying toxic materials, including substances that can cause explosions. Just over a decade ago, in November of 2012, a similar derailment in New Jersey caused 23 gallons of vinyl chloride to be released into the environment. The incident sparked a push for further regulation of the rail industry over how it handles the transportation of toxic materials, including crude oil and hazardous chemicals, according to investigative outlets, the lever. The push ultimately led to a law that required trains carrying toxic substances to be retrofitted with electronic braking systems, which brake trains, cars immediately altogether rather than the front to back like conventional brakes. The Trump administration on the pressure to lay. Okay, this is this is the one thing that Buttigieg blamed Trump on. The Trump administration on the pressure from lobbyists who argued the change was costly to rail companies rescinded the rule. Of course, what could really prevent a lot of this is sending chemicals through pipelines. It's much safer to send chemicals through pipelines than through the rail system and a rail system in a country which is in such shit shape. This is, these, this is what you call like accidents waiting to happen. You've got like these ha- hazardous chemicals. You've got these hazardous chemicals. And you have a train system here, which is so third world country and arcane and medieval that you're going to have these derailments. And when you have these derailments with these chemicals, this is going to happen. Everyone knows this is going to happen. But remember, it was Pete Buttigieg. Once again, every, the Democrats love to blame, blame Trump. It's easy and it works. To a certain extent, it works within their party and their voters. But Pete Buttigieg came in over two years ago and said that he was going to improve this rail system. We were going to have a state of the art rail system in this country. I don't think Donald Trump has prevented him from having a state of the art rail system in this country. But it's the Democrats who take plenty of money as well from the airline lobbyists. Okay, the airplane lobby gives plenty of money to Democrats as well as Republicans. And this is why we have such a shitty rail system here. And and Pete Buttigieg either was too much of a moron to know this or just said it, even though he knew that he wasn't going to do anything as far as improving the rail system. And Joe Biden, Mr. B- remember, remember Mr. Amtrak? Remember he rides Amtrak and the, and the conductor pinches his cheek. Hey, Joey, baby, how are you? Mr. Amtrak, he he was vice president. He was senator for 100 years. He was vice president for eight years. He's been president for over two years. Where is the improvement in the rail system while he's been in politics? Mr. Amtrak, you would think if you rode Amtrak every fucking day when you were senator from Delaware to D.C., you would really put a lot of effort into improving it once you become vice president and president. And he's done nothing. Because he and his party take tons, millions and millions of dollars from the airline lobby. Once again, that's the difference. This country is run by lobbyists. Lobbyists. Other countries are not. So in Asia and China and Europe and, you know, I, I, I bash China all the time for good reason. But they have a state-of-the-art transportation system. They have a great rail system there. We don't. There's no reason why in the year 2023 we should have this kind of a shit rail system where you have the same tracks as these cargoes and the cargoes have the right of way. Believe me, I've been through this. I've taken, I've taken trips that should take two hours. They're scheduled to six hours and they take 10 hours because we're in such shit shape and the train goes on average 30 miles an hour when it's not stopped for hours at a time. Okay. So Pete Buttigieg can blame Donald Trump all he wants, but uh, Donald Trump didn't start this fire, so to speak. This has been going on for a very, very long time. And he was the one who said 
he was going to make this better, this rail system, improve it and make it state of the art. And what has he done? What does he think he has, 50 years to do it? What has he done? Nothing. He's done nothing. Daniel says, I commuted every single day, 263 miles a day on Amtrak. Oh, this is Joe Biden. I'm sorry. So Daniel was saying it. This is a quote. Joe Biden says, I commuted every single day, 263 miles a day on Amtrak from the time I got elected United States senator. Yes. In fact, didn't, didn't Joe Biden even lie about the amount of – didn't Joe Biden even lie about the amount of time he spent on Amtrak? He actually exaggerated it. Right. He said the conductor said, we know you've traveled 85 billion miles and he, he keeps 85 million miles. It's impossible. And he always quotes that. I've, I, I've, I've been on Amtrak 85 million miles, Jack. Well, okay, not 85 million miles, but the guy did take that Delaware to D.C. route all the time, back and forth. So you think, once again, but he took, you see, when you go from like D.C. to Boston, that corridor is okay. It's still much longer than it would be if it were Europe. But that DC to 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 Boston corridor is probably the most convenient corridor where Amtrak runs the, the most efficient corridor in the entire country. They have an Acela Express, which is nicer trains and goes a little bit faster and runs in different hours. So you know it's and those that that route, they don't have to worry about cargo trains. So it's a little bit faster. Once again, not nearly as fast as it would be in Europe, but faster than obviously the rest of these rail system. So he took like the most efficient route from Delaware to DC. It's, it's very quick and easy. Do what I did. Take it from, take it from, I've taken Amtrak from New York to Montreal several times, many times. Okay. New York to Montreal is about 350 miles. You can drive it in six hours. You can drive it in six hours or you can take a plane and it's an hour. It's scheduled for like eight or nine hours. It's scheduled. So the schedule, if it's on time, takes two to three hours longer than driving and seven or eight hours longer than flying. But it's never on time because there's a, that's a big – you have all these cargo trains that are going and then the, the, then the switch goes off and they have to go out and manually. The guy's got to go out like it's 1860 and manually push the switch back and then take, that takes a half hour. Of course, then you get to the border and the border Michigas where it takes three hours because you get people who are traveling without passports, these morons. And so it takes like 11, 12 hours. So a trip that takes six hours to drive, one hour to fly takes 11 to 12 hours, 350 miles. How fucking embarrassing is that? Remember, in Europe, that would take about an hour and a half to two hours. Understand that? In Europe, that would take about an hour and a half to two hours. By train. In the United States, it takes 12. We are a third world country. I also took the train once from Dallas to, come on, Mike, Dallas to Chicago. And that was like a day, 24 hours. Understand that. Dallas to Chicago. What, what do you, what's that flight? 90 minutes, two hours? 24 hours. It's, it's, it's incredibly embarrassing. It's incredibly embarrassing here, okay? And so when you merge that, when you merge the, 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 old, the old rail system here, the tracks that are very old and disheveled, the inefficiency, and you put these chemicals on these trains, 
you're going to have all these problems. You're going to have all these problems. Um, and once again, you have a, a, you know, a transportation secretary who is totally, totally MIA, 100% MIA. Effectual. Um, and so this is the problem. So now the question is, when can people go back? When will these people be able to go back? These are not wealthy people. This is a very middle income, lower middle income place, East Palestine. So when can they go back? And how far are these chemicals traveling? Are these chemicals traveling to Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh's not very far. and You have 400,000 people there. I have friends that live in Pittsburgh. Are, they, are these chemicals traveling as far as Pittsburgh? The government will say no way. But who believes the government now? Why would you believe the government? You cannot believe anything they say. Once again, they said 9-11 air was fine. They said the air down there was not toxic. And, and, and all these people have died of cancer who were down there and working down there. And this is the problem with this government here. They don't tell you the truth. It's, look, even with the China balloon, what's going on? Why all of a sudden have you shut down four UFOs in a week when you've not shut down any in, in, the, in our lifetime before this last two weeks? Why? What's going on? And all you get is snippets of the president saying, no big deal, no big deal. The guy is, this administration is a total fucking disaster. Hey, Bill, what's going on? Hi, Mike, can you hear me okay? Perfectly, yes. Okay, a couple things. One, I used to work for a company called Shaw Environmental, but we did environmental remediation, uh, toxic soil, and uh, groundwater remediation. So I have a little experience. First, uh, a lot of these things happen because of, uh, as you said, lack of maintenance, but also uh, when things are privatized, and I don't know that that rail system was privatized, it becomes um, a cutback on maintenance to uh, to a point sometimes that uh, accidents happen because things aren't maintained on a regular schedule. The reason they do that is... Um, you know, it shows more profit, the less cost you have right. in the short run. Right. So you show, you show a higher profit and then, you know, that builds up your stock value. Do you follow me? So yes. it, it becomes a cyclical thing. And I, one of my friends of mine that I went to college with, um, was working for as a, um, project manager. And one day I called him just to bullshit with him and he didn't sound, very good. I said, are you feeling okay? Did you have a death in the family? He goes, no, nah, Billy. He says, we have the uh, Boston Harbor contract, you know, for Exxon. He said, and we've got a spill now. we got to go take care of it. He said, Bill, this all could have been avoided if they just maintained those valves on the schedule that they used to always do. But they cut back, you know, again, cost-cutting measures. And then saddle with a cleanup you know he says it's work for us but he said it's just you know he was because you know he's got into it because he cares about the environment and to see that kind of devastation and then have to go in there and try and do something about it but so i think this whole situation is reflective of that on on some level because in the live chat i put in a couple things here there appears to be some decision, a decision made with five rail car tankers of vinyl chloride intentionally breached and drained into a pit they dug and then burned off. Yeah. So 
I've, I, you know, I've read various reports. It's not clear. One report I read said there were 10 tank cars altogether and maybe several had been breached in the accident. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then there was others that appear weren't, but from what I'm reading now in this article, um, uh, so they diverted the, they intentionally breached, uh, five of the tanks and diverted it into an excavated trench and then burned it off. Uh, so now you have areas of contaminated soil and free liquids were observed. Let's see. And then covered and filled during reconstruction of the rail line. The whole thing here, Mike, is to get that rail line open as soon as possible because right. there's other trains have to go on it. Well, when you have decisions, now I'm not there and we don't have enough information, but sometimes in situations like that, they look at the cost benefit analysis in their mind, right? Mm -hmm. uh, doing it. It's bringing a hazmat crew, draining off tanks, uh, uh, tying up the tracks for maybe days, I don't really know, versus, you know, diverting it to a trench, burning it off and getting that track backfilled, you know, and up and going again to keep things moving. You know, these are things that all become part of the equation in their mind. It's not always what's best for the environment and the people. You see what I mean? It becomes a, a business decision. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. The yeah. people don't matter to them. Never never do. Never do. Right. Yeah. That's the truth. Now, here's the thing. When you do something like that, the vinyl chloride is highly mobile. What that means is that particular chemical, when it rains, it's it'll percolate highly mobile, very active, down into the groundwater. Like you talk about what's going to happen in the future. You've got this soil contaminant now that they drain it to the trench but when you drain into a trench um the soil is porous do you follow me yeah. so unless they lined it but it doesn't sound like it because it looks like the epa is is citing them for doing things that they need to remedy now they need to go back and re-excavate it or they want the, the epa sent the notification we want to know what you did exactly you know what I mean? Because there's there's a process that's supposed to happen with contaminated material. You, you know, you have to excavate it. You have to over-excavate it, make sure you get it all. You have a soil tester there, a mobile soil unit, testing unit with crew, you know, and then you got to backfill it, et cetera. But uh, so this, anyway, the article's in the chat, and, uh, you know, there <laughs> One of the scientists is saying it's not a matter if we're going to have problems. It's a matter of when and how bad it's going to be. Right. Right. So now you also have with that huge, my God, the monstrous uh, burn cloud that looked like a freaking bomb went off. I don't know yeah, if you saw any of the video for it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. You're going to have, of course, fallout from that. You know, and, and that is going to spread over a large area and pollute uh, surface water, you know, and uh, I know they're already seeing fish die off and, and livestock. And this is an, a massive uh, 
problem that, that, you know, the extent of which, and depending where the wind blows this stuff and when it falls or we get some particip- precipitation, which will drop it, you know what I mean? How and where this spreads and where it, and what concentrations is, this chemical is a, what they call a, forever, a series of forever chemicals also. It's not like they have a quick half-life. Do you follow right. me? Of, of right. Degrading. So this could be affecting generations, Mike. You know? Yeah, this could um, get into the soil, right? It gets into the soil. Is, so get, mm-hmm. there's, there's a river there, right? There's a river. There's the bodies of water. Mm-hmm. Right, Surface water. water. Yeah. So, I mean, when would you... When would anyone at this point uh, trust the government to say, okay, air safe, water safe, go on with life? I mean, I, oh. I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't believe Let me that. tell you why they did that. They do that, and they have it on record. They'll send their stooges out to do testing, right? So they have it on record. That way, when they're hauled into court, they go, oh, well, look, but our, our monitoring showed, you know, everything was within safe limits at this date. It's all to cover their ass. You know what I mean? Of course. Nothing to do with. uh, uh, I've had people I knew who worked, uh, uh, let me just say, as independent contractors. uh, uh, They were geologists in the field and they ended up working as independent contractors. And uh, to. the, the 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 soil gets tested and then it's analyzed and then it, they have to determine you know how far we're going to remediate it down and then it's retested on the way and it, you know, the, the, so the cost can run up is what I'm saying depending right. on what uh, the contamination level at what depth and how far the plume is if we're dealing with uh, uh, an underground matter. Uh, we have monitored injection wells that are used. We dig trench. We, uh, we uh, boxes for monitor injection of uh, uh, of the underground water. Also, the there are certain uh, enzymes and bacteria now that can help break down certain chemicals. So you have an injection process. You see what I mean? But you, you just keep going until you try and find. The extent, whether you're excavating to dig out contaminated material, you have an on-site fellow there who's testing, you dig, you test, you dig, you see what I mean? And then you, you chase it, is what I'm saying. But you never know how far you're going to have to go. It's it, it happens in real time as you're in the remediation process. Same thing with the underground water situation. So I, I looking at that plume, it looked like something out of a, horror movie Absolutely. and yeah. The, yeah. the the food that's grown in that area now because all that surface soil is going to be contaminated you know what I mean for what how I don't know I, I you know again to what how far and how wide and to what concentrations but food that's grown in that area now or animals that graze on grasses growing in that area, you know, you, you just have the now what appears to be the potential of a cycle of, of generations of, of sickness. You know what I mean? Cause these chemicals get into your f- system. Your body can't process them and they end up in your fatty tissue. And for women, a lot of times that ends up with breast cancer. 
you right, follow? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, they talk with liver. Exactly. Exactly. We also tend to, men, you see a lot of prostate and testicular. It gets into your reproductive organs. It depends on the chemical and how. I, well, one, what, what people nightmare. say already their animals are dying. Yeah. Chickens, dogs, and cats throwing up. So yeah. it's, 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 it's already happening in the short term. Yes. So you don't imagine how this will possibly have effects in the, in the medium and long term, right? I, uh, oh my God, it's frightening. I, I, I saw that. I've never seen anything so devastating looking in my life other than like a nuclear te- uh, test. You know, you show, you see those recordings, you know, I will hurt a uh, tornado. Yes, too, but. This was so ominous. It was, uh, it's my heart breaks, you know, knowing what's going on and these things happening. And if, if, because business looks at things through the lens of the immediate short term costs, uh, yeah. you know, and That's savings. That's the first thing that goes through these son of a bitch's mind. Yeah. Caught, yeah. Right? Bottom line, right. they don't, and who gets the short shrift? Who gets it the worst? There's always the people, right? The citizens. Yes. The average Joe and Jill. They're the ones, Jane. They're the ones who get it the worst. And, yeah. and we're seeing that now in real time. We're seeing that in real time. Absolutely. Know? So, so uh, here's the thing. Once again, this is what we talk about. We talk about that, and we'll get into it in a bit with, with the COVID stuff and, and testimony and and uh, and the talk about there needing to be real retribution for what happened over the last three years. But once again, there need to be people – Whenever something like this happens, Bill, there's really no punishment. Yes, there will be lawsuits, many of which we'll never hear about, you know, but there's never any real punishment. Once again, when we talk about lawsuits, it's a cost-benefit thing for these companies, right? They don't care. They'll pay out the money. You never hear about these companies going under. That They'll pay out the money because in the long run, they'll make more money. So it doesn't matter. The lawsuits don't punish these people. They don't. It doesn't punish it doesn't punish people. It doesn't even punish corporations. And there's never any real accountability for these things. There's never any real accountability for these things. Where look at look at look at like um, real life. When a person commits a crime or does something that's negligent, they are prosecuted for like criminal negligent homicide, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they don't kill someone on purpose, it's not murder. It's not homicide. It's 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 criminally negligent homicide. It's misdemeanor. It's I'm sorry. It's a manslaughter. Or even, uh, even which is Alec Baldwin, right? Involuntary yeah. manslaughter. But when something like this happens, there's no punishment. Someone has to be responsible for what happened. When it's a big thing that involves corporations, there's no real, there's very rarely any kind of criminal prosecution, right? Oh, you make a lot of good points there. Yes, yeah. I, I think that as the bottom 90% or 98%, you know, we, we are, have a very different, um, criminal justice system. We, we can commit a, a, an embezzlement or something and go to jail. They, if you even look at embezzlement or look at the, the banksters during the housing market crash, you know what I mean? They, they automatic Remember those automatic foreclosures that were illegal? That whole scam that went on in 2008? Um, right. You know what I'm talking about? With yeah. yeah. Lehman Brothers, Countrywide, you know, the whole lot of them. The Goldman Sachs, even Goldman Sachs more recently got fined for manipulating the gold and silver market. You know, like you said, 
none these are white collar crimes like in the wolf of wall street the most devastating disasters that have happened yeah how often do we see criminal prosecutions where people go to jail almost never right not the top one percent or not the established um some call them elite class i call them the predator class you know they don't know very rare but bernie madoff but that was rare because he he screwed over a lot of rich people. That's why he went he's, down. He's one person. He's one individual <laughs> yeah. who they can make yeah. an example of. I yeah, talk about right. when it's a major thing. Like remember the oil yeah. spills, all those oil. Oh spills? yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, who 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 went who went to jail? Who's in jail? Yeah, nobody. No. Nobody. No. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's absolutely absurd when it, when a corporation does something that causes death and injury, no one goes yeah. to jail. But if you and I, or the average person, does something that causes death and injury, we have a very good chance of going to jail. You know? oh. So that that's that's that is an that's a huge a huge uh, issue, right? That's a huge. Yeah, well, I know you got want to do your show, but all you got to do is look at the Dozinger case, Chevron Texaco. You know the right, civil yeah, litigation indeed. over that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, how, about, how about how about the Evan uh, Brockovich stuff with the water? Yeah. That's another example. You also had civil action, which is based on a Wilburg, Massachusetts, multiple companies doing what are called pump and dump procedures, digging pits, pumping contaminated material. And well, you got to remember that was the way it was done. And even right into rivers and streams. That's why a lot of our old factories are positioned right on, you know, because that's how it was done. And, um, that's why we have an EPA. I mean, the Calahuga River, the Lake Erie, was on fire ten times with flames as high as three stories. I mean, imagine the amount of combustible material to have that happen on the rip top of the river because it floated that material. Well, now what the big company said, Mike, was well, geez, between all these labor regulations now and labor, you know, strong labor, they're getting paid living wage. That um, we got to go back a while now. 20 odd years or so but and then epa they're like oh hmm now nah, we're going to push the north american free trade agreement the Bayesian free trade agreement the asian free trade we're outsourcing baby you know what yeah. i mean and then right. look what happened when they had the olympics in beijing remember they had to shut down everything for what was it for over a week or longer yes. so yes. they could even right. hold the olympics there the right. air quality was so poor right. so, so we outsourced our pollution because oh, we what, can... is inter- what, what is interesting is that mm-hmm. they had a uh, – I was watching a reporter on Fox doing a stand-up from, from the city. I was doing a mm-hmm. report, and he was asked, is anyone, are you guys wearing uh, N95 masks? <laughs> and he said, no, most of us not wearing N95 masks because the, the particulates are so small that they get into your lungs even mm-hmm. with a respirator mask. And, you know, sure. of course, that made me laugh thinking – the virus particulates for COVID nineteen way like, smaller, yeah, thousands of times smaller, smaller mm-hmm. than that, and yet they kept on pushing this ridiculousness about masks working, and they're not even wearing masks in this situation because the particulates are, are pretty small, you know. So that's that's you know, the, the fact the fact of the matter is is that we have been lied to so much by this government, yeah. we've been lied to so much about this government that now they can't be trusted at all. That's right. That's the boy, the boy that I talk about, the boy that cried wolf mm-hmm. theory. You know, now when something happens where they may be telling the truth, there's a chance, there's a slim 1% chance they're telling the truth. We still can't believe them because they've lied so much. And here they lied again. They said the air was okay and it's not uh, okay. Crazy. The air is not okay. 
It's not okay. Yeah. And they lied about the chemicals. This 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 yeah. chemical, the chlora, the vinyl chlora, that which is one of the most toxic chemicals in the world. They said yeah. it, it, now all of a sudden they're saying, oh yeah, that yeah, that was there also. Originally mm-hmm. they didn't say that was part of the. It's 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 absurd. It really is. And like I said, we have a transportation secretary who's a total idiot, who's in a, who's a woke hire, right? Who's an identity mm-hmm. politics hire, and 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 we have a transportation system, whether it's rail. Or, or, or airlines or our roads, which are in terrible. Uh, let me tell you something. The road, the streets in San Francisco, mm. the streets in San Francisco are as bumpy as London breeds ass. That's how mm. bumpy. That's how bumpy these fucking streets are here. Okay. Mm. In a major city, you cannot, if you have any, I have like lower back issues and you can, you can ride anywhere in the city and your, your, your back will go out. It's impossible. Every wow. street here is fucked up. Every street has bumps and potholes and issues. Once again, we are so much like a third world country in so many ways here, Bill. In so many ways. Yeah, it's um, it's continued decline because the it's really a, a government of transnational corporations and churches that don't have any borders. See, to them, you know, it's not about, here's the corporate mentality. There are no borders. Manufacture where it's cheapest and where you're going to have the largest market, which is now not in the United States. It's in Asia. You see what I mean? Um, India, China, and then ship it back here because pennies on the dollar, they make it for, and the, the, the girls at the Foxconn factories were jumping off the roof, Mike, where they made the iPhones that put up suicide nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, and my thing is this, and it never happened because the corporations run the legislature. It's not the other way around. But by rights, we had environmental regulations here for a reason. We had labor laws and a living wage for a reason. Nothing should have been able to have been outsourced and sold back here and that to erode that. And also if it didn't meet our standards, you see what I mean? In other words, really, you want to go manufacture in Mexico, China, poison that environment, take advantage of those young girls in factories, you know, where there were seven of them and sleeping in one, uh, uh like, small apartment they would cycle throughout the night and day shifts so they're sharing the same beds you see what i mean like not all sharing the same bed but you know and and they were working the final chemical they were using before they boxed those iphone products was n-hexane which gets into the fatty tissue and into the nerves and caused paralysis and they knew that you know what I mean, Mike? They knew that. It's like the lumber liquidators thing. Remember when we heard about that, the flooring house? Yeah, well, and you know, once again, yeah. like, as you said, when you started the call tonight, this is the bottom line is all that matters to them. So they say they yeah. know these things, but like, let's see how long yeah. we can get away with it, right? Let's see how many billions we can make. Yeah. And then, and then, and then we'll settle some lawsuits for a $5 million here, $10 million here. Exactly. Like, yeah, they don't care. They'll get away they with it as long as they can. And it's still worth it for them, even if they're sued up the wazoo, they're still going to make tons of profits. It doesn't matter. It works for them. Once again, crime pays. Crime yeah, pays. The, yeah. It, it's a literal like carnage of human bodies and uh, uh, 
for generations sometimes environment. You're absolutely right. So I know you want to move on to the, the uh, I thank you for the call, Bill, as always. Yeah, there's a couple of things on Marburg. Did you hear about the Marburg now in uh, New Guinea? They have this concentration of Marburg in the World Health Organization. I got a couple of links in the chat. They just put up a, have an emergency meeting on this virus that's mm-hmm. so, like it's a hemorrhagic. I think that's how you pronounce a virus causes a bleed out like Ebola. That's oh, a big scare now. Uh, anyway, I thought I'd. Right, Thank, yeah. Thanks for the good news. Thank you. Yeah, well, <laughs> Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Uh, Daniel, you're on and be heard. How's it going? Daniel, is this another agency? Is this another three letter agency we need to send down the shitter, the EPA, along with the CDC and along with the NIH and along with the FDA? Can, can you repeat the question? Yeah, is this another three letter agency that needs to be, you know, flushed down the shitter, the EPA, along with the CDC, the NIH, and the well, I got, I got one for you that ties in for uh, the very reason I'm calling uh, the, the PUC, uh, Public, Public Utilities Commission. Oh, another one, the PUC. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, here's, and here's why. This, this has to do with your, your uh, line of, of uh, inquiry and um, that you're, you're tonight, uh, which um, at least in part um, is about incompetence and the bottom line and how that gets uh, a rail system and systems in general, infrastructure systems in general in trouble. Um, I, uh, after my, my divorce, um, a few years after, I dated the um, ex-wife of the CEO of uh, PG&E and um, yeah, you may remember that in he he left in two thousand eight two thousand and ten. There was the uh, San Bruno uh, gas line explosion that right. um, just blew up a, a number of houses in, in San Bruno and killed people. Mm-hmm. Um, in two thousand and seventeen, the the um, criminal case that they had against PG&E was um, fi- finally you know went through trial and they were sentenced and they got like a $3 million fine or something, which is like, you know, chump change for PG&E. Um, it was the maximum sentence. Um, that maximum sentence need to be, needs to be increased a few orders of magnitude in order for it to make a difference to uh, companies like this that abuse these, um, their, uh, the, their um, uh, um, clients um, in, in public in general. Um, what happened prior to that, that explosion, and and much of this came uh, came to is is public knowledge now, but came to me about uh, three years before everybody else knew about it um, via the, the the woman that I dated, because um, like I said, her, her husband was the ex uh, the CEO um, up to two thousand PGD. Um, they had they applied um, to the Public Utilities Commission, which is a state commission. Um, um, for a rate hike, they, they they have to do that in the state of California. I think they have to do that in most states. Um, we we have a, a private company that's um, running utilities. You have to apply to the the PUC and sometimes even to the federal government. So they apply to the PUC. PUC approves a rate hike. What do they do with that money? They they, they uh, justify the rate hike in order to maintain the lines and uh, maintain their infrastructure. What did they do the money? They passed it on to their shareholders instead of doing, doing the work. And, and, and so all this was found out, all, this, all these crimes were found out. Did a single person go to jail? No, the, the company got the maximum fine, which like I said, is, is chump change. To, to change yeah. right. it's, like, it's like you and me throwing a, 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 buying up a, a, a Diet Pepsi for a, a buck 50 rather than a buck 25, you know? 
Um, and, and so, so you know, it took years for, for this, this 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 case to work its way to its conclusion. And, and it happened. Um, uh, nothing ever happened to, to her her uh, ex husband um, uh, as far as the details about how much he alone was responsible for it or how much his predecessors were responsible for it. I, I can't, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know the, the entirety of that, but I do know through her that um, the, 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 the weird dynamics that she would relate to me about um, how people in, in that predatory class, as Bill was saying, <clears throat> how, how they operate and how they function and how they behave it's just childish, just fucking childish. Some of the things that these people would do um, at parties, et cetera. And, and, you know, it's, it's just high school. It was, it was just for the sake of impressing other people. And, and, and you know, and that's what gets them into this trouble. They, um, they want to impress. Um, they want to look competent and they get in over their heads and they're trying to, 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 um, to uh, funnel money to the people that are going to pat them on the back and make them feel the most competent and reward them as well. And they, they, they that's what, you know, this, this bottom line, you know, and, and this struggle for competence and on a personal level really fucks people's heads up and makes them do awful things to other human beings, the public in general. And, you know, it's, it's, there's no doubt that that is exactly what's going on with our rail systems that are, you know, trains derailing all the freaking time. Like you said, they can zip through all over through, through Europe at 200 miles an hour and you never hear of a train coming off a track. But here it happens, you know, how, how many times a year? Lots. Um, so, yeah. Oh, it's constantly it's happening here. And it, it's, it's like the most ridiculous things like, oh, well, the train had to go around the curve. It's so insane. These trains can't even go around curves here. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the reason. There was a curve. <laughs> oh, okay, a curve. curve. Okay, now, that explains it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you know, just a pers- personal story there about um, how you know the, the personal line and or sorry, sorry, oh, personal issues um, of competence and the bottom line can cause people to make just awful, awful decisions and that that end up causing lives, um, costing lives. And, uh, and and destroying property and um, yeah it's 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 awful um, and it's it's just amazing to hear some of the stories behind it the personal the, the pettiness of, of, of this of the relationships in that company behind this and the relationships uh, Gavin Newsom was was um, often the topic of her stories uh, because they would go to parties with Newsom at, 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 and yeah it was the behavior of these people was just just so. You, you you think they they present this persona of being sophisticated and being rational and, and and being rational and having reasoned discussions with each other? They were drunk all the time. They were just they're just yahoos. <laughs> exactly. They they're just drunk. freaking yeah. yahoos, yeah. just spurting out bullshit. You know, and and and, and yeah. And anyway, that's uh, yeah, going infrastructure is a disaster. I mean, you live in San Francisco. Have you you've driven around the streets here? I mean, they're 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 just. You remember that uh, show, The Streets of San Francisco, with Carl Molden and Michael Douglas? Can you imagine that now? You do yeah, a parody of that. Oh, watch out, Carl! Another bump! Oh, Carl! Oh, my back! Oh shit! I mean, it's, the Streets of San Francisco is such a disaster. I mean, it's 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 insane how bad they are here. You would think this was like some like off road somewhere in like Uganda that that, that you know what they call unpaved roads. It's I, I, I'm I'm constantly shocked. And how rough it is to drive in the streets of San Francisco. 
with all with all the money the city has, yeah. we can't even get we can't even we can't even pave our streets here. We no. can't even get our streets paved. You can't. You know something. Something I saw today that that ties in with this. I didn't think about it again till just now, as you mentioned the streets. But um, uh, I'm I'm walking uh, through San Francisco on my way to Barton. The street sweeper comes by. Now the street sweeper, you know, you know how they spray it. It sprays this water out, and it has these uh, brushes that go around. You know, spin around, they rotate around, they go around, and and they're cleaning the freaking street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What do our sidewalks look like right next to the street sweeper? Street sweeper? What yeah. do our sidewalks in San Francisco look like? Let me tell you, talk about bad air. Whenever I am walking in the streets here and there's a street sweeper, I I, I immediately either move, run the other way or hold my breath. Oh, because yeah. Because I'm afraid of the toxic chemicals that are in the streets here. Afraid yeah. of the, that, that have been, all they do is move them around, right? Well, yeah, well, like, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they, they disperse these fucking dirt into the fucking air. Yeah, they're, they're dispersing them as a mist, and so the shit that was on the ground is now in the air for a while, and then it's exactly. in your nasal passages. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I always I hold my breath as well. I, I can't tell I run the other just, way from just today. Whenever yeah. they're coming down the street. Yes. So we have these street sweepers and, and they're, they're ticketing cars. You know, I'm walking by and some of the cars are moved and, and the parking people are coming around. So you have these, this, this whole infrastructure of, 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 of ticketers, the, the parking, uh, San Francisco um, MTA or whatever that stands for, Transportation, Municipal Transportation Authority. Um, they're coming around and they're ticketing. And then you have the street sweeper that are coming around and they're sweeping and all these people are getting paid. And, and what do we have? And what ostensibly they're doing this to keep our sense, our street beautiful. But two feet over from that, we've got drug addicts on the sidewalk, sleeping in tents, shitting on the street, pissing on the street, garbage everywhere. And they're not doing a damn thing about it. But they're putting in billions of dollars to wash our fucking streets. Yeah, it's 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 such once again, this is this is the liberals do. They just waste money. They simply they know they're the best at wasting money of any of any group of people in the world, the liberals, the the the, the American liberal, the American democratic left um, is the worst. They're, they're, yeah, they're take, the absolute take those, worst. Take those street sweepers, make a sidewalk version of it, and that's how you fr- fix the, the uh, homeless problem. I have a better idea. Why don't we, how about we replace the street sweepers with Zambonis? There you go. I think, <laughs> I think, I think Zambonis would actually clean the streets better yeah. than, the, than the street sweepers do. Just lay down some water. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, ice them all. Ice all the streets. So we can just, get, yeah, exactly. just get out there and play hockey. Melt it away. Might as well because no one, no, no one's in downtown anyway. <laughs> if someone can make a zamboni that can clean shit and piss, I, they'd make a lot of money here. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to get uh, off right, because Daniel, I think that Lance was wanting to get off. Oh, what happened to Lance? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He disappeared. He, he moves around. He moves around. Okay. All right. Well, have a good night. All right. You too. Oh, my goodness. Okay. From one failed agency to another, um, there are a few things I wanted to play regarding the CDC. I think the first thing I'll read, Daniel had sent me this. Let me see if I can find this. Daniel had sent me this on Twitter, and this is just a a little thread that was written by someone regarding the lockdowns and what happened in March of uh, of 2020. Um, But it's it's short and sweet, and I think it's pretty, if I can pull it up, I think it's pretty good. There's also an article I'm going to read by uh, Mike Sanger 
who wrote about Rochelle Walensky's terrible testimony. Uh, it's Mike Sanger's uh, subsec, Michael P. Sanger, S-E-N-G-E-R, subsec. I'll read a little bit of that because that's also very good. But because um, Rochelle Walensky had recently testified, and every, everything she said was lies. It was all lies. Um, lies regarding the vaccines, lies regarding masks, lies regarding lockdowns, and you know, lies basically regarding regarding everything. Um, also, there's Malone and and uh, and uh, Doctor Malone and Doctor Peter McCullough, who also talked uh, a couple of days ago about the FDA, the CDC, the DOD. Once again, all those three letter agencies and Pfizer and the U.S. government, and how they really committed scientific fraud by intentionally withholding critical safety data regarding the uh, regarding the COVID vaccine. Um, oh, here it is. Okay, this is by this is by a, a Twitter uh, guy named at what's his name Gomez Adams. Anyway, um, it's a if I could find the thread here. Um, well, maybe I'll start with the the Michael Singer. You know what? I'm going to start with the Peter McCullough. This is this is Malone and McCullough talking about how the FDA and the CDC withhold a lot of data, which showed uh, all the vaccine-related deaths and injuries uh, that were going on. And so this is a short clip, a couple of minutes. In my opinion, withholding scientific data is constitutes fraud. This is scientific fraud, in my opinion. If I was to publish a study in which I had a large body of epidemiologic data and I decided to only public, publish part of it because I wanted to advance some agenda, I would be guilty of scientific fraud. The paper would be withdrawn. I would be kicked out of my academic institution. I would be guilty of scientific fraud. That's what this is. And the CDC has, I've watched it over the years, become more and more and more a political arm and not serving its its function, this is the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They are the, the archive of information which physicians have relied on for decades through the, for the, through the MMWR publication. They are the ones that are responsible for, for providing us the frontline data about what's going on and where it's happening. They have stopped performing that function. They no longer release that detailed information through MMWR. They have become purely a political organization and an arm of the executive branch. And what they have done is, in my opinion, obscene. Um, and it is part of what's underlied the attacks that Peter and I have sustained from the press, if you under, if you think about it, the underlying thesis is, well, the CDC didn't say that, so therefore you're spreading medical misinformation. But now we learn who's really been spreading medical misinformation is the CDC. I think we're all owed an apology. I think that this data that they've been withholding, it's not just the 18 to 49-year-old triple boost efficacy data. It is a ton of information. They've been intentionally withholding it. That's why we've been attacked. It is unjust. We are the ones, it turns out we are completely vindicated. We have been speaking truth, and it's a truth that's been hidden from the American public. And more important, it's been hidden from other physicians, and it's been hidden from public health authorities. That article was powerful if you look through it. The New York Times tried to hide it, and they dropped it on President's Day. 
and they wrote it in ways that tries to obscure what's really going on. But what's going on here is criminal, in my opinion. Yes, uh, I wanted to ask, you, you just mentioned that that would be severe consequences if a scientist performs something like that. Will there be consequences for the federal government? So I've spoken repeatedly for, for those people that are within the government. We call them govies for slang. The folks working at the CDC that gave these interviews to the New York Times but wouldn't share their names. I think they are now at a point of choosing. There are going to be legal consequences, and I believe they have a choice, these government employees that have been participating in hiding this data. They can either be defendants or they can be witnesses. It is time for them to step up and speak out, and if they want to do a whistleblower action, speak to uh, Senator Ron Johnson. His office is in business looking for this, and when the midterms are done and he's reelected and the Republicans take the Senate. He's going to be in charge of the Senate subcommittee on investigations. And I can tell you that he is ready to go. Okay. Well, obviously this, I thought this was, this was posted four days ago, but obviously this was, this was a, at a conference just before the midterms. So unfortunately, unfortunately doc, that didn't happen, but of course the Republicans did take over the house. And uh, Ron Johnson is still in business. He was reelected to the Senate. So two out of three ain't bad. Hopefully Republicans will take the Senate next year. But we're seeing more of these hearings, right? The House is doing all this stuff. So uh, this is more part and parcel to what we've been talking about, about how these government agencies have hid all of this. Bill just brought it up with the bottom line. The bottom line, the bottom line was the COVID vaccine, right? That's everything leads to the COVID vaccine. Everything that happened in 2020, before the vaccine started to roll out in December of 2020. And ever since then, everything is to protect the FD. Everything is to protect big pharma and sell the vaccine. They're still doing it now. It doesn't matter that all this is coming out. They're just going right through it. They're still running commercials in California with celebrities talking about getting the vaccine, right? Martha Stewart getting uh, jab number 37 and lying and saying it will eliminate COVID. They're still saying the same shit. They're still saying, oh, this one works for this. This one works for this variant when it doesn't work for that variant. This one doesn't work any better than the last one. It's worse than the last one. They keep getting worse and worse. They keep getting worse and worse for safety and effectiveness. Yet they keep pushing it because it's the bottom line that matters the most. Gomez Adams uh, on Twitter writes, it really can't be emphasized enough how dystopian what happened in March of 20 was. Governments announced they would from now on restrict social interaction among healthy people with no end date to slow down the spread of a virus to a degree the healthcare system could cope with. It was as if we had suddenly transitioned into a new cultural paradigm in which social interaction would from now on be treated as something shameful and sinful, the way Victorians looked at sex, all to keep elderly nursing home residents alive for a few more years. To write about it didn't feel like resistance for me. It felt like cowardice. It felt like writing about a gas chamber next to your garden where children are shoved in on a daily basis. It wasn't policy. It was something you shouldn't be able to live at peace with. Again, they gave us no exit date. They presented this as a new normal, and they were copying the policies of a communist dictatorship that puts innocent people in concentration camps. When you really realize what they were telling us, no act of resistance felt efficient. And that's very well said. Very well said. Michael Sanger, who's been on Twitter 
and a, a, a critic of COVID policy and mandates from day one, uh, writes in his Substack about uh, Wolensky's testimony. Uh, this is a Substack from yesterday. Last week, actually earlier today, last week, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky gave testimony to Congress that was jaw-dropping, even by the abysmal standards we've been accustomed during COVID. In just a few hours, Walensky managed to tell Congress that the CDC's guidance to mandate masks in schools would never change, regardless of new evidence that the CDC had conducted no randomized control trials as to whether masks were effective because it was so obvious that they worked and that COVID vaccines had been added to the child immunization schedule so they could be given to uninsured children. First, in light of the recent Cochrane review, including 78 peer-reviewed RCTs, where over 600,000 participants, including masks, made little to no difference in preventing COVID or flu, Walensky told Representative Kathy Rogers that the CDC's guidance to mandate masks in schools would not change with time, regardless of the new evidence. Walensky's response is astonishing for several reasons. First, to say that the CDC's masking guidance does not change with time, despite the recent Cochrane review, is, efficient, is effectively to admit the CDC's guidance does not change with new data or evidence. This is a far cry from the commitment to science, which the American people had long been told they were following. It's not, if it's not bad enough, Walensky's statement is, of course, also flatly untrue. After discouraging Americans from obtaining face masks in the initial weeks of COVID, the CDC made an abrupt about-face in April of 2020, and face masks soon became mandatory for day-to-day -day activities, which the CDC at the same time had attributed to a change in science, making all this even more horrific is the fact that the U.S. stands out conspicuously as the only developed nation in which its National Public Health Agency recommends masking children as young as two years old. Next, Walensky goes on to tell Representative Gary Palmer that no one in the U.S. federal government would have thought to propose an RCT to determine if masks were effective because there wasn't equipose to the question anymore. Effectively, Walensky is saying the CDC wouldn't consider conducting an RCT widely considered the gold standard of evidence-based medicine because it was so obvious that masks worked. It's unclear if Walensky's butchering of the word equipose was simply a result of her trying to use a big word in order to sound scientific. But if taking literally, the actual meaning is even worse. To say there was no equipose to the question is to say that conducting an RCT to determine if masks worked would have been a violation of research ethics. Finally, Walensky tells Representative Dan Crenshaw that the only reason COVID mRNA vaccines had been added to the routine public immunization schedule for children over six months old, that's so they could be given to uninsured children. As been known since early of 2020, COVID poses virtually zero risk to young children. There have been about 2,000 pediatric deaths from COVID as belied by the CDC's own data, and the vast majority of these children had severe comorbidities, meaning, of course, with COVID, with a positive COVID test that could have not been right because those tests were so shitty. I'm adding all this. This isn't Michael. So that 2,000, just like the just like the overall death tracker is probably, who knows why, the 10th, the 20th, the 30th of the real number. But moreover, adding COVID mRNA vaccines to the routine immunization schedule has broad implications far beyond simply making them available to uninsured children. Seeing these shots on the routine immunization schedule is certain to make it more likely for individual schools and municipalities to mandate those shots for young children to attend school while affording legal protection to those that do. Healthcare providers will also be more likely to lump those shots in with other routine childhood vaccinations, giving them to young children only minimal disclosure and parental consent. And finally, 
Having COVID mRNA vaccines on a routine immunization schedule may afford certain legal protections to vaccine manufacturers, such as Pfizer and Moderna, for any harms they might cause. Walensky has a long history of testimonies nearly as terrible as these. Back in 2021, Walensky couldn't explain to the Senate why the CDC hadn't conducted any field studies on natural immunity from COVID. And then there was a time when Walensky explained that the CDC's initial bravado for vaccine passes, mandates, and grandiose promises about vaccine efficacy back in 2021 had been based on a CNN feed claiming the vaccines were 95% effective. These galling testimonies aside, it's not surprising why Rochelle Walensky was picked to be CDC director. On the surface, she's articulate and presentable, so it's a real testament as to how far public health has fallen over these last three years that someone in her position would be telling these kinds of falsehoods and defending such atrocious policies. Yet for all her poise, Walensky demonstrated at least one horrendous error in moral judgment that may help illuminate how she wound up on this path. In 2020, Walensky was a signatory to the John Snow Memorandum, a kind of rebuttal to the Great Barrington Declaration. The John Snow Memorandum, I guess we were all snowed, given a snow job, endorsed the efficacy of lockdown, denied evidence of natural immunity following COVID infection, and essentially acted as the blueprint for zero COVID. All of these positions were, of course, resoundingly discredited in the ensuing years. Walensky signing the John Snow Memorandum was in keeping with what maybe her most damning quote of all. In a radio interview just before being appointed as CDC director, Walensky contrasts Sweden's light-handed response to COVID negatively with China's really strict lockdowns and gives the stamp of approval to the CCP's data purporting to show that the lockdown of Wuhan has succeeded in eliminating the virus from all of China. Ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case. He put up a... uh, if you go to his Substack, he embeds these uh, these quotes, Lensky, in her testimony. And also he embeds the total coronavirus deaths in China, which, of course, have gone up since January. Since Yeah, that shows from 2020 to, to 2022, they've gone up and they've been steady. They've never declined. And as we know, China's had constant waves of incredibly high case numbers and hospitalizations and deaths to the fact where they locked down about 27 times, right? Uh, so, of course, total bullshit. China's fared much worse than Sweden, not better. So it really shows, it really, really shows what a disaster Rochelle Walensky is. I mean, she's a total, total disaster. Unmitigated disaster. She's lied. She has been lied. She's been wrong. She's been proven wrong, and she continues to lie. She is a purely political entity. She's a purely people don't like when I say this for some reason, but she is a she's a political whore. She's a whore for the politicians who hire her, namely Joe Biden, and she will do whatever she has to lie, light, and continue continue to tell us what is not true to tell us the opposite of truth. She's not even close. It's not like she's like taking something that's kind of true, but not really, and twisting it around. She's, these are total falsehoods. They're total lies. Just as Fauci has told total falsehood and lies over the last three years, they can be proven wrong over and over again. And yet, when they're proven wrong on something, they say, well, the science has evolved. Then they say, we're not going to change our masks, even if the science evolves. They're total bullshit artists. They're bullshit artists. That's what they are.
And they're in a position because they work themselves up the bullshit ladder. Fauci, Walensky, they all work the, they put in their time, right? They put in their time working themselves up the bullshit ladder. And that's why they're where they are. Not because they're good doctors. They're shit doctors. They're awful doctors. None of these people, Walensky, Fauci, any of them, Osterholm, any of them actually have any patients. And you wouldn't want to be a patient of theirs. You wouldn't want them to be your doctor. I would want Peter McCullough to be my doctor. If I had heart issues, I would want Jay Bhattacharya to be my doctor. Okay? I would want Scott Atlas to be my personal doctor. I would not want any of these people to be my personal doctor. Walensky, Fauci, Osterholm, Hotek, any of them. So there might be a reason why they don't have actual patients. They can't get actual patients. They don't understand how to apply medicine. They don't understand how, how it applies to actual real people. Side effects, other problems that have happened over the last three years that they call incidental, unfortunate. These are all things you're supposed to know as a doctor. You're supposed to be able to, to balance the side effects with, with, with the positive effects. These people didn't care at all about the side effects. They didn't care about illnesses. They didn't care about uh, injuries caused by vaccines or lockdowns or masking or deaths caused by vaccines or masking or lockdown. They don't care. Their job is to push the official narrative of big government. Their job is to push the official narrative of the Joe Bidens and the Andrew Rose and the Kathy Hochul's and the Gavin Newsom's. And that's it. That's their job to be political whores. That's what they're supposedly good at, although I would argue they're not even good at that. Would you say Jay, like me, does not practice? I know he doesn't practice, but I would like him to be my doctor if he did. I would love him to be my doctor if he did practice. I would not want Fauci if he practiced to be my doctor. I would not want Walensky if, if she practiced to be my doctor. And when you make policy, I would argue, Jay Bhattacharya never made any policy, unfortunately. I would argue that if you make policy that affects millions of people, you should probably, maybe it should be a law that you should have to have a practice, that you should be, you should actually have had some kind of connection with actual people, seeing actual patients, dealing with real human beings on a regular basis in order to have power over their lives making policy that has power over their lives. I think there's some importance in that, in having practiced or recently practiced. That's just my opinion on the matter. I'm not saying there aren't good doctors out there that don't practice, that don't have a patience, that don't see people every day, like Jay Bhattacharya, but somehow I think it might be better. Might be better. I mean, look where we are with all these doctors that don't practice or hadn't practiced in decades making policy over our lives. Look at how that's worked out. Yet I know doctors who practice, right, practitioners, who, if they have any balls, have said that this stuff is bullshit, have told their patients not to take any kind of treatment for COVID, that the treatment's worse, that it's not going to cure it, and you're going to feel worse a week or two later. These are real doctors because they see actual patients and they see the effect this stuff has on actual people. So we might have to look at that in the future. Um, there was another 
great article. I'm not going to read it because it's, it's kind of similar. It's kind of similar, but it's about the fall of the CDC as Walensky. It's called the fall of the CDC as Walensky goes down with the ship. That's the title. And this is Jeffrey Jackson on Substack. Jeffrey Jackson. He wrote this about a week ago. Uh, Jackson, Jeffrey, J-A-X-E-N on Substack. It's another good one. It, 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 it kind of covers some of the stuff that uh, Mike Sanger uh, covered, which adding other stuff. Uh, talks a little bit more about Fauci, Hotez, and the others that I just mentioned. Um, and the disaster the CDC has become. Disaster that the CDC has become. And if you read through this, it's more, there's more information about the Cochrane study that was just done. Um, and the comments from people, I eagerly await the full dismantling of the CDC. And, you know, I have called for that many times on this show. The full dismantling, how the next president, hopefully Ron DeSantis, will totally dismantle a, this agency, all of them, but especially this one. Okay? Totally dismantle it, and you really rebuild it with actual doctors who care about people, who aren't about bottom line, who aren't just these political whores who want to who carry the water for the the establishment that we've seen so much and how much how much of a disaster this has been. How much of a disaster this has been. So that's another one you can read also. Oh, I did want to read this. That's right. This is out of the Washington Examiner earlier today. And this is critics of failed COVID policies call for a pandemic reckoning. Eight leading critics of the United States' COVID-19 response have called for an investigation of the many failures of political architects and key decision makers. All institutions ranging from the Centers for Disease Control to universities and hospitals over their repeated mishandling of the pandemic, given the immense harm inflicted on our society by the follies of ruling class and their expert advisors who never failed to make a wrong decision when presented with the opportunity, as well as the fact that lives are still being destroyed by their lingering policies we can only hope the blueprint does not go ignored. Dubbing themselves the Norfolk Group, the Association of Scholars includes as prominent names as Stanford epidemiologist Jay Bhattacharya, that I just mentioned, Harvard epidemiologist Martin Koldorf, another great one, UCFS physician Tracy Beth Hogue, Johns Hopkins University surgeon McCarry, and Indiana University School of Medicine immunologist Stephen Templeton. According to the Norfolk Group's website, oh, interesting, they have a website, Although initially organized by the Brownstone Institute in May of 2022, the eight members of this group have since worked free from outside influence to draft the 80-page document they published earlier this year, Questions for a COVID-19 Commission. Presented as a series of summaries and questions pertaining to key elements of U.S. COVID policy, the document, in effect, lays out a thorough indictment of the consistent incompetence of our ruling class while also raising concerns over the possible influence on policy by special interests such as teachers, unions, and drug companies. Regarding natural immunity, the authors ask, why did the CDC downplays, downplay infection-acquired immunity despite robust evidence for it? In respect to school closures, they ask, why were schools and universities closed despite early evidence about the enormous age gradient in COVID-19 mortality? and early evidence that school closure would cause enormous collateral damage to the education and mental health of children and young adults. On that matter, they also wonder, why did the CDC incorporate 
policy language proposed by leaders of teachers unions on the scientific and public health aspects of school reopening without soliciting expertise of outside scientists in public health, infectious diseases, or other related fields. When discussing lockdowns, they inquire, why was so much influence on public health policy, according to Drs. Francis Collins and Tony Fauci? They control the largest source of infectious disease research funding in the world. How many infectious disease scientists who should have been strong voices during the pandemic kept quiet for fear of losing the research funding on which their livelihood depends? In their section on epidemiological modeling, they demand, why did world leaders overly rely on models that made unverified assumptions about the pandemic's trajectory rather than trying to verify these assumptions and their implications. When addressing COVID-19 vaccines, they raised such questions as, why did many organizations continue with mandates through summer and fall of 2021, despite data demonstrating both waning efficacy of symptomatic infection and reduced long-term ability to curb viral spread? Regarding masks, they ask, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, the evidence that masks did little, if anything, to stop the spread of respiratory viruses was uncontroversial. Before summarizing a few studies demonstrating this and asking the obvious, why did public health officials and agencies promote the idea that masks would be effective against SARS-CoV-2? In its entirety, the Norfolk Group's questions for a COVID-19 commission serve as a blueprint for the kind of investigation our country needs. Just don't expect the Biden administration to do anything about it. Now, I hope the this is written by uh, Daniel Nuccio um, in the Washington Examiner. I don't expect the Biden administration to do anything about it, but I do expect the Republican Congress, the Republican House to do something. You know, going back to what they say on masks, once again, regarding masks, they state prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, the evidence that masks did little of anything to stop the spread of respiratory viruses was uncontroversial. So before March of 2020, it was uncontroversial that masks did jack shit, okay? Yet, yet, Walensky says, oh, no, no, it was acropoise, acropose. No, no, there was no question masks worked. What is she talking about? There is no science that showed masks worked, yet she said it was unequivocally known to the world that masks worked. She's a fucking idiot. She's an idiot. So if you want to, you can go to this website. And I'm going to go there right now. Norfolkgroup.com, like the city, N-O-R-F-O-L-K, Norfolkgroup.com. And they want a COVID-19 commission. And I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Jay Bhattacharya, Leslie Bainan, Ram Derice, Tracy Beth Hogue, Martin Koldorf, Marty McCary, Stephen Templeton, and Marjorie Smelkinson. These are the eight... Um, members of the Norfolk group right now. And I can only hope that this builds and builds and builds and we get this commission because there needs to be a real commission and there needs to be real accountability. We've talked about it many times. There needs to be real accountability, which means punishment. There needs to be a record in the future of how the people who did this to us were punished for it. So the people in the future don't do the same things because they'll be afraid that they will for it. And it needs to be a true record of all the mistakes that were made, right? There needs to be a, there needs to be a record of all the mistakes that have been made. All the horrible, glaring, disgusting mistakes that have been made over the last three years. 
And that needs to go on record. That needs to be written in history books. It needs to be taught to students. It needs to be taught to medical students. It needs to be taught far and wide about what happened. And without this kind of a thing, these mistakes will be made over and over again. All right? Without this real accountability, we'll see this happen over and over again. Look, we have a we have an idiotic low IQ mayor of New York, Eric uh, Adams, Eric Shaft Adams, who gleefully says he'd bring them back. Oh, we'll bring them back. We have to bring them back. We're, of course we're going to bring them back. Because the colds aren't the cold colds are going to be with us forever. So since the cold viruses are going to be with us forever, we have to bring back these mandates. Total idiot. But it won't happen. That won't happen if there's punishment for what happened. Okay, if he and his ilk are punished for what they did, they won't gleefully with a smile say we're going to do the same thing. We're going to punish people. We're going to torture people again. We're going to gleefully torture people again. So go to NorfolkGroup.com, NorfolkGroup.org, sorry, NorfolkGroup.org. I always get mixed up, .com, .org, .gov, .tv. This is NorfolkGroup.org, and uh, and you can read more about it. It's a short few paragraphs where they talk about basically what I just read in that article. Um, so what else? Is there anything else I wanted to cover today? We went through the Ohio air pollution issue, train crashes, COVID. Um, there was something else. I can always push it to tomorrow. It's not a problem. Um, but let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Well, boy, well, oh, okay. There is something I want. I think it's very funny. I was going to say Rochelle Welsh. Raquel Welsh. How about that? 82 years old. Can you believe? Because anyone envision Raquel Welsh as dying? She just died. I believe she had a short illness. Um, 82 years old. Can anyone picture her? I remember Raquel Welsh when she was in her, well, let's see. I, I can remember Raquel Welsh when she was in her forties, right? But I know she was like a, you know, like, uh, like a, a, a wet dream for a lot of men out there in that period of, you know, in the sixties and seventies, cause she was in so many movies, you know, and she was just a, uh, total, uh, ingenue, uh, Raquel Welsh. And she died at, uh, at 82 years old, there's a, there was a, um, a thing from a high school and I posted it on, if I can find it now, I, I posted it on Facebook, but it was a high school where evidently here it is. It, it's called, uh, Colleen high school, K I L L E E N. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's Colleen high school. And someone posted this, <laughs> uh, a masturbation notice. This was posted on the walls of the high school. A masturbation notice. All students are hereby notified that masturbation in the high school toilets is a violation of the Colleen Independent School District Code of Conduct. It is prohibited to masturbate in the bathroom floors and stalls. Bathroom school pipes are not designed to handle semen. A semen-related cause run into the thousands every year underlined, please, please refrain from masturbating during school hours and do it at your own times at home. Sincerely, <laughs> the KISD school board. Um, so evidently in Colleen High School, there's an issue of, if someone put up a tweet, it was hilarious, of response to this and saying, and this is the, this is the, 
this is the women's room. No, it's not the women's room. It's the men's room. But how bad does it have to be <laughs> for semen-related costs to run into the thousands every year? Do we, do we believe that? Do we believe this is real? Well, I think it's real. But do we believe that <laughs> semen costs run into the thousands every year? I don't understand. All you have to do is, are they sure it's not spit? Do you notice, I don't want to get too disgusting here, but you notice that a good a good loogie looks, looks the same. I don't know. And students are always spitting into toilets. It's ridiculous. There's no way that there could be enough kids doing this for it to clog the pipes and cost thousands every year. It cannot be that prolific. It can't be that prolific. Unless the teachers at Colleen High School are particularly uh, particularly hot, then maybe that's what's causing it. But uh, a masturbation. Imagine going to school, you see on the wall a masturbation notice. <laughs> and who? I have so many questions. Who's reporting this? Are, are like, are, are like <laughs> people reporting that the that the that there's you know there's semen floating in the in the toilets or. How would they even know if the toys were backing up that this is causing it? It's not just like, you know, too much tissue paper, which usually causes these kinds of toilet paper. Oh, my God. What a crazy – isn't it a nutty world we live in? Isn't it kind of a, a weird, insane world that they put up masturbation notices in high schools? Who knows? Maybe we'll find out that was a gag because that's just that's just too funny. Too funny. Um all right, I think I've covered a lot. We've covered everything from from you know from air pollution due to train wrecks to toilets and pipes being clogged due to uh, horny teenagers masturbating in restrooms in high school. Anyway, um, what I want to remind everyone is the name of the show is in Let's Be Heard, and it airs weeknights, weeknights, eleven p.m. Pacific, two a.m. Eastern. 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern Time. And once again, this is Mike Kachopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.